Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. You can be seated. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts this morning. Acts chapter 2. As we continue our study on lessons on connecting, we're walking through our church's mission statement that we're here to lead people to love God, to connect with others, and to reach our world. We're right in the middle of that mission statement looking at the lessons on connecting. We began with lessons on assurance as we challenged people to know that they have the assurance of their salvation, forgiveness of sin, uh, assurance of God's guidance in their life, assurance of answered prayer. Then we move to the second part of our mission statement, connecting with others, and we're talking about these important ingredients in the life of a church. We looked at motivations, what motivates us to do what we do. With a, basically, what's the purpose of our church? We saw that we're here to, to lead people to love God, connect with others, and to reach the world, ultimately to see people come and be disciples. Our expectations of church members, we looked at that, where we saw that our Our church expects you to be, as you become a part of this fellowship, to make this about the kingdom of God and not about you and your preferences. We talked about the fact that you're making a commitment to a family of believers when you make a commitment to church membership. We looked at the organization, how we saw that Christ is the head of the church, the pastor is the under-shepherd and overseer, the congregation is the one, the decision-making body with the leadership team and deacons and servants. Then we looked at affiliations, how we're affiliated with a convention and we do ministry with the Acts 1-8 challenge, and then today we're looking at association. How we associate with this body of believers to become church members. So the subtitle is Becoming a Church Member. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, after Peter's incredible sermon at Pentecost, the Bible says this, those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. We're going to talk about that accepting and that baptism and that being added today, but I want to answer the question that people ask all the time, and remember, this is part of our workbook that every church member will be going through as they join Coastal Oaks. The first question is, how do we receive new members? That question's asked all the time. People come from different backgrounds, different denominations, maybe a a church of our denomination, it's a little different, And, and the question is, how do we receive new members? How do you join this church? Well, there are three, basically, and I've tried to narrow it down to these three Three ways or three different individuals who come to be a part of Coastal Oaks Church. First of all, number one, as a new believer in Christ. You may come into fellowship to be a member of Coastal Oaks Church as a, as a new believer in Christ. This would be a person who receives Christ as personal Lord and Savior. It says, I want to be baptized. So that person comes by baptism. I want to be baptized to let the congregation know that I want to be a part of that body and identify with Christ. We'll talk more about Believer's baptism, which is basically the bulk of the sermon in just a few minutes. So a person comes into membership as a new believer being baptized. Secondly, a person may come as a believer coming from another Baptist church. You may have, by the way, we are a Southern Baptist congregation, so a person may come into our fellowship from another Baptist church. And there are two ways that that person would come. First of all, they might come by transfer of membership, by transfer of membership. That's what we call a promise of letter sometimes, where we send a a form, which is like a letter to a a church where you're actively a member. 
and you're in good standing, and we say so-and-so has applied to membership in our church, and they send that form back saying, we commend this person to you. They're a member in good standing in our church. That's a transfer of membership. I, I love it when God sends people our way that way. That's not what we're called to do, that we're not to grow by transfer of membership. We're called by, to grow by reaching new people, but I, I rejoice when God does send people to connect with our body that way. Another person coming from another Baptist church might come by statement of faith. By statement of faith. This person is saying, I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I have followed the Lord in believers' baptism by immersion. I have membership in a Baptist church, but I can't tell you how to get a hold of them. It may be a church that's disbanded. It may be that you came to know Christ and joined a church when you were a, a teenager, and that was 50 years ago, and you don't even remember the name of the church. A lot of circumstances, but what you're coming in this, this regard, you're stating, I know the Lord is my Savior. I'm a member in good standing. I'm making that statement as a promise to this congregation. Number three, a person might come into fellowship as a believer coming from another denomination. From another denomination. I love the story of the two little boys. One was so eager to invite his friend to church. He said, will you come to church with me? And he said, i got to ask my parents. So he went and asked his parents, and he came back and said, my parents said, I can't go to your church. He said, why not? They said, we belong to another abomination. Some of you will get that later, I hope. Um, sometimes you th can look at all the denominations that are out there and just wonder why. And I, I believe there's a reason for a lot of them because just basically different strokes for different folks. People are going to have different emphases. People are going to have different passions, different callings, different uh, fulfilling of the Great Commission. So I want to celebrate that. But to say this, that, that there are opportunities when someone comes from one of those other denominations. And we would receive you one of two ways. Either by statement of faith. Statement of faith. Basically saying the same thing that a person coming from another Baptist church would say. That I've followed the Lord in believer's baptism. I've trusted him as personal savior. And my membership is in another church that believes and practices like you do. It's very important that a person coming from another denomination by statement says, we have the same theology and the same practice that Coastal Oaks does. We had a young lady join our church this morning from the Christian church. And that church, she came to know Christ in that church and was baptized by immersion. Some people come from a non-denominational church, possibly a Bible church. Uh, uh, there are all kinds of different groups that believe like we do and practice like we do. We would receive you by statement. If you've trusted Christ as Savior and you've followed the Lord in believer's baptism by immersion in a church that believes and practices like we do. And the, the other way a person might come from another denomination is by baptism. By baptism, when theology and practice differs from ours. By baptism, when theology and practice differs from ours. Like the story about a Methodist who became a Baptist and signed up to work in the church kitchen and was in there working, washing stuff, and held up a coffee pot and said, y'all have a Methodist coffee pot in your Baptist church kitchen. They said, what are you talking about? He flipped over and said, it says, do not immerse. A Methodist told that joke, okay, so I can, I can pass that along. There are other denominations that believe theologically like we do, that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, but they don't immerse for baptism they might sprinkle or pour there there are some denominations that that uh that are very close to us but they don't follow in that way we would ask you to come and uh, and be baptized to be a part of our fellowship when i first came to this church a man came from the episcopal church uh they didn't exactly believe in practice like we do but he had come to know jesus christ as his personal savior in that church 
And he said, Pastor, I know the Lord is my Savior. I've been saved. I want to be a part of this church. And we said, well, the way you can is by baptism. So that's the way you come from another denomination when they don't believe in practice like we do. Now, let's move on to the heart of what I want to say today. Because I want to answer those, those, that key question, how do you join this church? And let's talk about believer's baptism by immersion. I mentioned a person comes as a new believer to be baptized. A person may come from another denomination to be baptized. Why in the world is it so important? And it's not just because it's in the name of our denomination, Baptists. Why do we believe it's so important? I, I'm going to say some things today that are probably old hat to you if you've been around a while. I'm going to say some things to say, Pastor, this is all like no-brainer stuff, but I want you to listen anyway, okay? It's like when you go to a wedding ceremony. You listen, don't you? And you've been married, and you've, you've, you've done all that, and when I go to a wedding with my wife, uh, I sit and I listen to what the, the couple is saying, what the pastor is saying, and I let it be a time of me to, to remember the commitment I made, okay? So if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you've followed the Lord in believers' baptism by immersion, I just want you to celebrate the fact that uh, these truths are evident in your life. First of all, we have an acrostic, couldn't help it, had to do it, the word baptism. The B stands for believers only, believers only. We call it believers' baptism for a reason. First truth here is baptism is an outward testimony that a person has already made a decision to trust Christ as their personal Savior. This person is a follower of Christ. This person comes and says, I have trusted Christ as my Savior, and I want others to know about it. I am a believer Believer's baptism. The Bible says in Acts 2.41, those who accepted the message were baptized. We believe that the scriptural order is trust Christ as Savior, then be baptized. Some denominations don't do that. Some denominations baptize infants. Some baptize children when they've been through a confirmation class, whether or not they understand the gospel or not. We believe that it's for believers only. A lady stopped me in the foyer after the first service and said, Pastor, I've had questions about baptism for a long time. And you just answered, answered some for me. You said, I was baptized with a, with a family member when I was a kid, but it wasn't until I became an adult that I got saved. And I said, so where does that leave you? Or some words like that. I don't remember if I was that blunt. But I just asked her, so where are you in the issue of baptism? And she said, I, 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 I need to be baptized. I said, that's right, because it follows conversion. Does that make sense? Believers only. Colin Smith says it this way, God doesn't save through baptism, but he sure does speak through baptism. If you're not a believer, someone said, and you get baptized, you're only getting wet. You're going through a ritual, you're going through a ceremony. I, I did as a kid. I was baptized as a kid because that's what everybody was doing my age. And my parents blessed their heart. They, they said, don't you think it's about time you joined the church and got baptized? And what are you going to say to your parents who raised you in the church? No thanks. I said, sure, let's do that. Well, I was baptized as a kid, didn't know Christ as my Savior. It wasn't until later that I came to know Christ. Then I was scripturally baptized. Believers only. The A reminds us of the all-important first step of obedience. A, all-important first step of obedience. Baptism is the all-important first thing that a believer is commanded to do. Commanded to do. The Bible says repent and be baptized the Bible says in Matthew 28, we're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. The command to be baptized is a significant part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Y'all get both of those? We're commanded to do it, and the commandment is a significant part of the Great Commission. 
It's that first step of obedience. I've talked to people as a pastor over 20 plus years that struggle in their Christian walk and they'll begin to tell me their story and I find out that they came to know Christ. Maybe a friend led them to Christ. Maybe it was in a Bible study. Maybe it was maybe while they were listening to a radio program, but they've never publicly followed the Lord in believer's baptism. And sometimes I'll say, you know why you're struggling? Because there's one step of obedience you've left off and that's identifying with Christ and his church by being baptized. It's the all-important first step of obedience. You, you ask, Pastor, now that I've trusted Christ, what do I do? That's the first thing to do. Make it public. Let people know about it. The letter P, public profession of faith. And that's what I was just talking about. Public profession of faith in Christ. Baptism is, for believers only, it's that first step of obedience. It is their public profession of faith in Christ. We have wrongly called a person walking an aisle and telling you that they've trusted Christ as their public profession. We've done that for years. I think really the public profession is baptism. That's a biblical way. Not just to say, I belong to Christ, but I'm following him. Baptism is an outward testimony of an inner conversion experience. An outward testimony of an inner conversion experience. If you don't get anything of, of what I've said today, that's one truth you need to get a, get a handle on. Baptism does not save it does not wash away our sins. It is an outer testimony of an inner conversion experience. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, Whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, I'll acknowledge before my Father. Public acknowledgement. And I believe that baptism is the best way to let others know that you've trusted Jesus Christ, that you're identifying with him, his people, and his church. Did I go too fast on that one? Public profession. It's an outward testimony of an inner conversion experience. It's the best way to let other people know. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Paul told Timothy, don't be ashamed of this testimony that you have. I baptized a teenage boy in, in my first pastorate in Crystal City. And uh, he, we led him to Christ and he wanted to make that decision to be baptized. So uh, I told him to show up Sunday morning and, and come back to the back there. And it was much like this. We went to the back steps and I showed him where to put on a baptismal robe just to kind of cover up his t-shirt and shorts and I put my robe on I was I was just talking through the process with him and I said now when we stand in the water don't look at the people and he went people I said yeah the people he said you didn't tell me there were going to be people here I had neglected to make it clear to him that baptism is a public profession and he turned and started down the steps and I grabbed him. <laughs> I said, wait, let me explain this to you. And, I, and back there while the congregation's out here doing this, I bet, when, when, what's happening? What's going on back there? I don't even remember what we, how we stalled, but I finally talked him into being baptized. I said, this is you letting them know that you belong to Jesus. It's a public thing. It's not a private thing with just you and the pastor. It's public. So we got him in the water, and I baptized him. And the first guy that's ever done this, last one so far that's done it, he's jumped up and dove head first in the water to get to the steps to get out. So um, he, he definitely got it and he was okay. All his anxiety and uh, stage fright was gone after that. It's a public testimony. And sometimes we miss that. We watch them and we forget it. it's here for us to watch and see to be a part of. I love a story an Indiana pastor told on Focus on the Family. His kids were playing and his kids got quiet. And you know when kids get quiet, something's up, Right? So the kids got real quiet, and he kind of leaned over there and looked, and he looked out there, and this pastor's son is standing there around a tub of water with the family cat. 
holding the family cat, and the little friends are standing around there, and, and the, the little boy goes, uh, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and in the hole you go. And so he was uh, rebaptizing. I want us to get it, not just part of it, okay? I want us to get the whole picture. It's a public testimony. And that's really what's exciting about this next truth, the letter T. It tells the story. It tells the story of the gospel and of conversion. It tells the story of the gospel and of conversion. When I baptized Sherry a few moments ago, this is what, this is what was happening. First of all, baptism was illustrating the death the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. The gospel is that Jesus died, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he died according to the scriptures, died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised again according to the scriptures. That's the gospel, that Jesus died, that he was buried, that he rose again. Baptism tells the story of the gospel. When I I lower a person into the water, it's to be a reminder to us that Jesus died for us and he was buried. And when I raise the person out of the water, it's to be a reminder to us that Jesus rose from the grave. What a powerful story to tell. That we died when we trusted Christ and the old man was buried, which is the next part. Baptism illustrates that fact, that you've been given a new life in Christ. A new life in Christ. Skip Heitzig tells about a sign on a dry cleaner's that dyed fabric, colored fabric. And the sign read this, we die to live, D-Y-E, die, fabric. We die to live and we live to die. The more we die, the more we live. Well, that'd be a good slogan, wouldn't it? We as Christians have given up our old life. We have died in Christ. And the more we die to self in Christ, the more we live. And and this, this baptism not only pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, It pictures the fact that when I trusted Christ as my Savior, the old Kevin was put to death. I was buried spiritually. Paul talks about that in Romans 6. I was buried. And when I raise a person out of the water, it's a reminder that when that person trusted Christ, they were given a new life in Christ. How exciting is that? Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So when a person's baptized, it's telling the story, Jesus died for you. He was buried and he rose again, just like this person's been buried in the water and brought up. It also tells the story of conversion, that this person made a commitment to Christ where they gave Christ their life and they laid it down and they died to self. They said, Lord Jesus, take me. I surrender my life to you. And they were born again by the Spirit of God and raised to new life. Sometimes we baptize, we say, buried with Christ in believer's baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. It's a picture of of what Christ has done. I love that. Ken Davis tells the story about baptizing his two grandsons. Can't imagine. Preston and Bailey. He says, I learned two things about baptizing when I baptized my two grandsons. Number one, little Christian boys are still boys. You know where this is going. He said, the second thing I learned, don't put two boys in the baptistry at the same time. He said, one went under once, and the other went under four times. Once when I baptized him, and three times while his other brother was being baptized. He said, that's not going to happen again. I like that. Those boys may have understood it, and I'm not sure that they did, but baptism is more than going under the water. It's more than just waiting with the preacher. 
It's a, it's a picture of Christ dying for us. It's a picture of a changed life, a new life. The letter I reminds us of immersion. Immersion. The method of baptism is immersion. The Bible says Jesus came up out of the water when he was baptized. I think that's just another reminder. The method is immersion. By the way, the Bible word for baptized means to immerse. If you go to the original language and you look at baptizo, you translate it and it translates to immerse. It's been transliterated into English. My, I don't know how provable this is, but my theory is that when the Anglican church began to publish copies of the scriptures in English, they come to that word baptizo and they didn't want to write the word immerse because they weren't doing that. And it would look bad on the church, so they transliterated it to baptizo. I think that may have been part of their decision there. But it means to immerse. The method is clear. It's a clear illustration of burial and resurrection. Immersion is. That's one reason why we immerse. Not just because we believe the Bible says to do it, but the word baptize means to do it because it's a great picture of death, burial, and resurrection. Immersion. Not pouring, not sprinkling, but immersion. I had a friend who pastored a church in San Diego, California, and he said, Kevin, it's great. Baptisms here are wonderful. He's a little guy. He's about that tall. And he said, when I baptize people, he said, I face them out to the ocean, and I wait for a wave. And I just hold them there, and when that wave comes, and then we put them under. That's great. So whatever it takes, but that's putting under, completely under the water, immersion. The letter S is for symbolic. Symbolic. We believe baptism is Symbolic. Man filled out a commitment card one time, not in this church, but in another, and he said, I was baptized in high school and I would like to be reimbursed. Some of you'll get that later. I don't think he understood baptism either. Listen to this truth baptism is not a part of the conversion experience. Baptism is not a part of the conversion experience. Some denominations teach that. Some churches teach that. They teach that you need Jesus plus baptism to go to heaven. I call that salvation by works. Jesus plus anything isn't grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works so that no one could boast. To say that I have to trust Christ and be baptized to go to heaven is to say that Jesus alone wasn't enough. That I need baptism too. We believe it's a symbolic activity of what we've already said, telling the story of the gospel. Not a part of the conversion experience. As we are baptized, we are symbolically representing the fact that at conversion we were buried with Christ. Again, we've talked about that this morning already. Symbolically representing what Christ has done for us. And that takes us to the letter M. Is that right? We the M? Membership. Baptism is a part of membership. Baptism is the action that enables a new believer to identify with a group of other believers, a local group of believers. Baptism is the, the, the act of identifying. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says those who were uh, baptized were added to their number. The 3,000 were added to their number. In other words, they became a part of a body of believers. They identified with that local body. This identification is known as church membership. If you come from another denomination, 
and you haven't been baptized by immersion, but you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you want to be a part of Coastal Oaks, I, I encourage you, don't look at baptism as something you have to do. Look at baptism as an opportunity to identify with this body, with this group who believes in practices like that. Driving through the uh, small towns between here and Dallas where our kids live, there's a bunch of those, some with speed traps. You want to slow down in some of those little towns, but sometimes you'll drive through and every storefront is decorated with certain colors. They've taken that chalk paint or whatever, and, and it's all over the window, whatever they are, Wildcat fans, Cougar fans, Cougar country, all the colors and everything, because those merchants want the high school football team or basketball team to know we identify with you, we're proud to be supporters of you. Walk around Rockport and you'll see people with pirate t-shirts on. Why would they do that? Where could you get away with that? I'm a pirate. Arr. Well, probably in a town where the mascot of the school is the pirates or the bucks or whatever it is. Why do people wear those t-shirts? Because they say, we're proud of our kids. We're proud of our school. We're glad to identify with them. That's what baptism is. It's a it's a, it's a moment to say, I'm proud to be a part of a body that believes in salvation by grace through faith, based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, to testify that I've been saved and born again by the Spirit of God. I was put to death, but I've been raised to walk in newness of life. I'm proud of that. Baptism. I'll close with my last and favorite illustration. This is the one I use with kids. I wear on my left hand a wedding ring. This wedding ring does not make me married. Did you know that? This, I can take this ring off right now, and I'm still married to Kelly. Because over 30 years ago, I stood in a church like this, and I said to her, I love you, and I commit my life to you. And a pastor said, Kevin, do you take her? And I said, I do. And he said, will you marry her? And I said, I will. She said the same thing. And we entered into a covenant of marriage at that moment. The pastor said, now let's seal this with the exchange of rings. And that ring was placed on my finger as a symbol of the covenant I made with her. I believe baptism is the same thing. It is a symbol of the covenant you made with Christ to let everybody else know, hey, I belong to him. I belong to him.